0: Welcome, Illudians, to Episode 2 of the All You Do Internal Podcast, a podcast created by Illudians and for Illudians. I'm your host, Stephanie Briggs, but you can also call me STIRP. <music> to kick it off, we'll start with the segment, Simplicity for Your Ears, your top news to use. Following our official brand launch, we introduced Aludo to NYC. While there, we had the incredible opportunity to showcase the new Aludo brand on the NASDAQ screen in Times Square. Check out the video on our new Aludo TikTok account. If you're not on TikTok, you can still watch the video. But more importantly, if you're not on TikTok, sign up today and start following us at HelloAludo. Also in New York, Krista had an awesome interview with Trade Talks about the new brand and our philosophy on the next phase of work, what we call Work 3. Corel Draw. Subscriber exclusive updates are here. Last week, we released exclusive updates for Corel Draw Graphic Suite and Corel Draw Technical Suite subscribers our first product announcement officially as Aludo. More information about what's new can be found in the link provided in the podcast description. All right, Eludians, I am so excited for our next segment, Going Beyond With All You Do, Employee Stories. I am thrilled to announce our next Eludian guest, our very own Chief Executive Officer, Krista Quarles. Welcome, Krista. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. We had an amazing new brand launch. So I do want to kick things off by asking you, what excites you most about the new Aludo brand?
1: The thing that excites me the most, truly, is that it is the purest expression of my values as a leader. You know, going through this process, Becca and I would chat and we, you know, I mean, you can get caught up in the day-to-day of... The colors, or this, or that. But at the end of the day, the process was one where, you know, this was really about creating a space where work gets done in a different way than what we've all believed in the past. And I think it's this reimagination of how work could get done that really is the expression of a Ludo and all you do. And, and when we talk about working better to live better, it is. The reason all of that resonates is because it's what I believe in my soul and, and I think being able to connect that to our products, to our people, to our purpose, that's what matters at the end of the day. And by virtue of that, we are we should be in a position where we run into work, where we're emotionally connected to the purpose that we all have in front of us. And that's what this brand stands for, for me.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it, it is so exciting overall, um, like you mentioned, right? This new kind of frontier, this new path that that Aludo and the leaders of Aludo and employees are are forging ahead. Where do you fall within the work three kind of time of day that you're most productive? Are you uh, more bright and early, a midday enthusiast, or a night owl?
1: In general, I'd say I, I probably do most of my best work at night. So I'm kind of in the night owl thing. But even the colors, the Aludo colors uh, were really about born out of a conversation where they they said well you know if you're a morning person or a night person and i said i'm an all-the-time person like there's some times where you know, I wake up and I am, you know, at it and ready. You know, I think I'm not, I would never call myself a morning person. Though. Let's just be super, super clear about that. So aludo morning might not be my, my my perfect jam. But I, you know, look, I've lived in a world where my first job out of business school, I was working uh, uh, East Coast hours on the West Coast. So I was regularly needing to get up at 4.30 in the morning. And, you know, you do it. I think the the aludo colors were born out of like sometimes like Midday, I'm really finding my flow or, you know, I get this burst of inspiration at 10 o'clock at night, but I'm not expecting my team to respond to me at 10 o'clock at night. I think that's the important thing where my burst of inspiration, my moment of genius can be when it happens. I think that's the key is not saying, well, I'm up at midnight and therefore everybody around me needs to be (laughs) up at midnight. And that sucks if you're a morning person, right? So I think what we're trying to do is interpret these things in such a way that that allows for me to create my connection and and expression to the work in the moment that I feel and am capable of delivering it. And that you catch it in a way in a moment and time and place that you're capable of catching it. I love that as
0: CEO of Aludo, you also just said, um, just because you have some kind of inspiration at let's say 10 p.m. or midnight, you're not expecting your team to respond then, right? That's just, it is your moment of genius and, and you respect uh, you respect that time for your team as well. I would like to dive into your background. So I did watch some just some amazing interviews with you, um, and read some of your articles as well. So I understand that you started out in Wall Street. How did that shape you as a leader? And I'm sure that means traits that you realize that you did not want to embody. <laughs> And then some that maybe you did want to take with you.
1: I like to joke sometimes that, you know, I grew up, you know, if you watched Wolf of Wall Street, if you read Liar's Poker, um, you know, those those experiences were not too far away from things that I directly saw and and were in front of. I would say if we know as a as a fact that what generates high performing teams is psychological safety, working on wall street was the opposite of psychological safety there was no safety at all my amygdala was hijacked uh through much of that experience and i think you know it was not necessarily the best environment understanding like how i then behaved and operated to survive in that world, I just wasn't in a position ultimately to deliver my best work. And I think that's the thing that people don't understand that when you don't feel safe, what actually psychologically happens is that your your frontal lobe, your prefrontal cortex shuts down and you actually become dumber. <laughs> so as a, as, a, as a leadership tactic, if I sit there and say, gosh, what I wanna do is make my collective workforce dumber, what I would do is is put them on this like high alert mode and actually, you know create scared, you know, scared workers. And I just don't think that that creates the best outcome. And I think what people need to do is be able to tie back the work that they do to the performance of the business. At the end of the day, we are in business. And if you can understand how the thing that you do interrelates back into, the work that ultimately is done and the business that's ultimately being built, you're just gonna be a more valuable participant in the, in the exchange. I
0: watched your interview from 2018 with the Boston Consulting Group. And in that interview, you talk about, about Wall Street and how you had to really shut off your feminine components and you weren't really able to bring your whole self to work. It really resonated with me. That that really had an impact on me, that statement. What are your words of hope or wisdom for, for people out there who might be experiencing that like right now?
1: I did that because there was a single archetype of leadership that was valued. It was the aggressive, you know, more domineering, you know, from the top leader. And that was the thing that got rewarded, and that was the thing that got valued. Fast forward to when you know I finally became CEO in my prior job and I started to just observe. And what was clear to me was that by shutting parts of me off, I just wasn't as good a leader. And I think the the hope in my view is that new types new archetypes of leadership are now being allowed and considered and ultimately valued and i think it's like shame on the company that thinks there's only one way to drive leadership the the best way to drive leadership the one way is that true authentic version of self because now you can get at and drive at and, and harness and inspire that best part of that other person if you are behaving toward an archetype I'm honestly just only bringing 50% of myself to the job. And so I just acknowledged and observed, like I was 10X the leader when I brought all of me into the equation. We have to allow for different types of leadership to succeed because if only one type gets to succeed, you either like become that sheep or you don't progress. My message often to young people is like, find a company, who cares about this and who wants different kinds of leadership. By the way, when we have different kinds of leadership, we also know that heterogeneous decision-making yields superior results over homogeneous decision-making. So the net of that is if we have a bunch of leaders who look, talk, walk, act all the same, we just get Lesser outcomes and decisions, and the research bears this out over and over again. So I need heterogeneous decision making to get to better results, and by doing that, I have to value different kinds and forms of leadership.
0: How is Aluto embracing these kinds of initiatives in terms of, as you just mentioned, right, different diverse leaders, um, and then kind of tying it back to an article that you that you were that you wrote, getting to 50/50. Where you do talk about how you want to get the conversation started between both men and women on dismantling obstacles, right, for women and getting it really fifty percent of jobs in tech in C-suite. How is Aludo and, and specifically Aludian leaders? How are they embracing these types of initiatives?
1: Half of our leadership is is female, and we're not just you know. And I think we have to think about also diversity beyond gender, right? And so it is, uh, you know there's ethnic, there's, there's socioeconomic, they're like, you know, how did you grow up? That's different. Like, you know, and, and I think bringing all of that into our leadership on a day-to-day basis, that will filter through and down. I think we, and, and I've seen it, I go to all hands every month and we allow a space for people to ask me anything in front of the whole company in real time, anonymous, Why? Why do we do that? It's because we want to allow for a space and a conversation and and what it's ultimately driving at is trust. If we can build that sense of trust, if we know that we can bring that whole idea, we're going to allow spaces of creativity that otherwise wouldn't have existed. And so that's where it's kind of filtering down and through the organization and we see it in how people are responding and behaving. That's not to say it's easy and that's not to say that that change doesn't occur over time. I mean, I think one of the things I've been quoting the last week is like everybody wants transformation, but nobody wants to change. I think change can be scary for people. And I think that gets back into our role as, you know, my view as a servant leader, how do I create an environment where you feel like you have the support, where we can make the change and you feel confident that you can now take it on because of the environment that we've created?
0: I want to switch gears a bit and get get a little more personal and talk a bit about um, how how you grew up. So a little birdie told me that you are one of seven total. Is that right?
1: That is correct.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I would love to, so I'm an only child, so quite the Ah! opposite, quite the opposite. I would love to understand, How did you manage sharing a bathroom growing up? But in all seriousness, what are some takeaways from being a sibling of seven? The
1: the sharing of the bathroom, I have four older sisters, so I'm number six. So birth order, I think, also matters. So like there's the oldest, the baby you know, the middle child, like I, nobody cared about the sixth child. Let's be super clear. So there was a little bit of, for me anyway, how do I even get noticed in this family? Could have gone one of two ways. I could have either been this like horrible reject or I could have like been a hyper overachiever. You know, I leaned into the hyper overachieving way to get, you know, noticed. But I think there was also another curiosity of like, gosh, we have the same parents and yet they have, We have seven really different types of people and personalities. And I think that was where I began my love of of psychology almost like how come we all have different fears or different motivations or different ways of moving in the world. And it was just this curiosity around, like, how could the same set of parents create such radically different outcomes? And and just why do people behave the way that they do? And so for me, there's this lifelong curiosity around what makes a person the way that they are and how then as a leader, am I going to get the best out of you? How am I going to inspire you or connect you to the work that gives you the most amount of empowerment and joy? That's really the challenge of a leader today is, is, is like, how do I connect you with your purpose? And I think that large family just created that early curiosity for me that, you know, I think is, is carried with me to this day.
0: Aludo is all about work better to live better. And I think as a leader, it's it's crucial, right, to exemplify core values, to really walk the walk in order for eludians, right, to see the leaders doing their best, being their best. It also means taking care of yourself. What are some things that you do to take care of yourself, whether that's mentally, physically, or both?
1: I observed myself in an era where I didn't take care of myself. I know now what I looked like when I was burnt out. I spent a good amount of my time and life uh, working to the point of pure exhaustion. I, you know, would be jet lagged half the month. I was, I didn't have enough sleep. I didn't have enough exercise. I hadn't eaten correctly. It was taking the break, honestly, between being the CEO of, of OpenTable and, and being the CEO of Aludo where I did take care of myself. And what I observed in me was this profound amount of clarity. You know, I joke about, like, I wake up now in the morning and I've got tiger blood. Like, I can do anything. And what I think a lot of people mistake, I I always joke, like, don't mistake motion for progress. And I think so many people get caught up in... The motion. And even as leaders, I think we look at our teammates and be like, gosh, look at all this motion. They must be doing a great job, but are they making progress? And I think the ability to distill what is good, smart, thoughtful, clear headed decision making and what is just a lot of motion is the real challenge of a leader today, especially in a remote environment where you don't get to observe people on a day-to-day basis. I think this time period, I think, is like a, a bit of an identity crisis for leaders because it used to be that I would just observe you doing a bunch of stuff and then I would make a proclamation as to whether or not you were a good employee. I've shifted the whole paradigm. And now we're saying, this is what done looks like. This is what a successful outcome looks like. Now go figure out how to do that. And the only way you can do that is if you're approaching these problems in a way that is clear-headed and how you do that is take care of yourself so what I do I mean one of the things like first of all if, like I have a, a pretty uh, steady yoga practice I've been a 22 year Iyengar yoga student and so sometimes when things get all topsy-turvy I just invert I go stand on my head <laughs> and a five minute headstand can create massive amounts of clarity I, I am uh, religious about my sleep. I am very, very conscious of how do I get the most amount of good sleep. I, that means my diet. That means, you know, how I approach, all of those things, you know, I take my dog for a walk, you know, good old coconut is with me. And I will I will process and think through the day and the problems. But if I don't give myself that time, I'm not going to be as thoughtful in my decision making. And if I'm not thoughtful in my decision making, I'm probably going to make poor decisions, which are going to yield poor outcomes, which have poor impact on the overall company. So for me, it's about taking that time and making sure my body, my mind, my spirit is aligned. And when I do that, I know I can make clear decisions about what we need to do as an organization and as a company. I have one last
0: question for you.
1: I would love for you to
0: highlight an, an Eludian who you um, think and feel has, has really embodied core values at Eludo.
1: Christian, who is in actually, so he's in our Malta office, he runs product for our um, Parallels RAS business, for example. Like, I think he is, you know, he's not just thinking about the business itself. He's not just thinking about the product itself. He's not just thinking about the team itself. Like, I think he's thinking holistically around, you know, what is it going to take to create a successful outcome at the end of the day. And you know, I see Christian trying to do that across his business and I think, you know, getting everybody to pull themselves up and to be more holistic in their thinking, understand how what they do on a day-to-day connects back to what the total of the company does on a day-to-day and to think in a fresh way about how they're approaching their day to day. Some of that is our grit, some of that is simplicity, some of that is just rethinking some of the values on which you're approaching it to say, what's what's a better way to go about doing this? And, and I see that a lot in
0: him. What a lovely shout out um, to Christian and thank you so much, Christian, for all you do um, at aludo for Alludians. Thank you, Krista, for being our guest on episode two of the All You Do podcast. Thanks, Stephanie. It was fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to the internal All You Do podcast. Links are available from today's episode in the podcast description. Until next time, thank you for all you do.